Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Miranda Cokes and I'm the Women's Director here at Rolling Hills. It's week six of our series, Refine, where we have been diving into the seven deadly sins and discovering how we can fight those sins with truth. Today, the sin we're zeroing in on is envy, or that feeling of discontentment or resentment caused by someone else's possessions, qualities, life situation, the list goes on. God doesn't want us to live in this place of envy. He's given us life to the full found in Him, and we can fight envy with gratitude and contentment found in Christ alone. It's time we started fighting, so join us as we learn how to do that today. We're so glad you're here. Well, good morning again. Uh, my name is T. Lusk, and uh, I get to be the pastor here. It's a blessing and honor to be able to serve as the pastor here at Rolling Hills Columbia uh, and to be uh, with you guys on this journey that God has us on, uh, that to, to be able to reach the community of Columbia. We, we've talked about it over and over again that we want to be a church that is for Columbia. Uh, and so the things that we do is, is not for, it's not about us, it's about the gospel taking root in the lives and the hearts uh, of men and women and kids in our, in our community. And so we're, we see that, Greg said, God's doing great things here and it's such a blessing to be a part of it, to be a part of what God's doing. And so I thank you for that. Um, thank you, these guys that do this and all the folks who are back in the back with kids this morning, uh, serving and uh, sharing the gospel. And, um, I, well, that's one of the things I love the most about, this is not a part of, I'm, I'm going to end up going over time-wise because of this. Uh, but one of the things that I love the most about kids ministry and family ministry at Rolling Hills is that it's not a babysitting service. Like what's happening back there from, from the smallest to the biggest ones back there is the gospel's being proclaimed. And, and we're praying that the gospel takes root in lives and transforms their hearts and warms them towards uh, salvation, warms them towards Christ. And they, their, their lives are transformed as the, as, as they trust Christ for salvation. So that's our heart and desire. And it's our heart and desire in here as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Uh, and we're in the middle of a series where I, I think this is week six of a series, uh, yep, week six of a series uh, called Refine, and where we're looking at the seven deadly sins. We've lust and gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. And, and we've said this over and over just as a reminder that what these seven deadly sins are considered the root right, the root from which a host of other sinful attitudes and actions grow. But we also recognize what truth of what Scripture says is that all sin is deadly, right? These are the seven deadly, these are the, the headwaters of sin, but all sin is deadly, and it, and it destroys the creation, destroys the life that God meant for His creation to live. And so this week is, or this week and every other week as we've come to God's word and work through these seven deadly sins, what we're asking is that by God's grace, he would refine us and that he would, that, that we would find hope and freedom as we shine the light of God's word on our hearts. And then increasingly in our actions and our attitudes, we would look more like Christ, that they would be shaped by the gospel of Jesus and we would become fully mature disciples. And this week we're gonna focus on envy, which is the sixth of the seven. Next week will be pride. And next week we get to celebrate communion together, which is uh, exciting. So uh, we'll close out the series and be able to celebrate communion. But, but as we focus on envy, we're gonna ask the same questions that we've been asking the past couple of weeks, the three questions. One, what is envy? 
What is envy doing to us, right? If, if it's a deadly sin, how is it destroying life? So just to kind of, so we can uncover it and see what's going on. And then third, what has Christ done for us and what does the Bible tell us to do? So let's go to the scripture, Proverbs 14, 30. Read this passage, pray, and then we're gonna dive right in. This is what it says, Proverbs 14, verse 30. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to your word. And we come not as an authority over it, but in submission to your word. That God, you would use your word to expose in us those places where we are living in contrast or in rebellion to who you are and what you've called us to. God, we pray that you would, in, in, in the way that only you can, shine the light of your word into our hearts and expose those places that are not walking in faithfulness to you. Expose sin in our hearts and by grace, by your kindness, that you would remove those things as we turn from them and turn to you. God, I thank you for this body, this church that you are building. I thank you for the songs that we get to sing and the time that we get to open up your word. And we pray that you would do what only you can do. Because I can preach, but only you can change hearts. We pray your Holy Spirit would do that this morning as we come to your word. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Last year, I was sitting with a group of, of friends, and one of, my, one of my buddies told me about this uh, social media account, and, and I, I looked for it this week, and I could not find it. And, and I didn't look for it last year because it's a, it's a social media account that talks, uh, it shows different pictures of landscapes and, and, and you know, places out in, maybe in your backyard and what kind. And the whole thing is, can you spot the snake? And the reason I haven't looked for that, if I'm being a little bit vulnerable right now, is because, and I'm being more vulnerable than I want to be, because honestly, there's a couple of you I don't trust here. Uh, I hate snakes. Like I can't sense, I can't lie. I, there's not a scenario in my mind, just like green eggs and ham, that I think that I will ever like them, even though he does at the end. I'm not going to give in, right? I'm not going to get, like, there's not a chance that I'm going to give in to this, that, oh, snakes are cool. Like, oh, this is a good snake. That's not, that's, that is not true. Snakes are snakes and all of them are snakes. But this week there was a, I, I did go, I tried to look this week and couldn't find the actual social media, but I found this picture of this, this image of these, you know, just the woods and the leaves, all, brown leaves all over the ground. And the, the, the caption was, can you spot the copperhead? And I looked and I looked and I looked and like skin crawling in my office as I'm looking like, where is it? And I could not find it. I click to the next picture and it circles the copperhead. And it's like literally dead center in the middle of the picture. It's like so obvious right there as you see it circled. But it was not. Like I was like, that's a trick. There wasn't a go back and like, yes, it's there. But I didn't see it. So it was just camouflaged. And, and it's like literally my skin crawled whenever I was looking at these pictures. And, and today when we talk about envy, I believe that it's one of the seven that is exceedingly dangerous partly because it's so close to us and we may not even see that it's there until we've already been bitten by its poisonous fangs. And so 
let's begin again where we have start where we started the past couple weeks with the question of what is envy and the just kind of a description this maybe maybe a definition of some sort if you want to fill this in on your worship guides envious is envious comparison preoccupation and anger with others or with the blessing of others it's Comparison, preoccupation, and anger with others or with the blessing of others. Envy comes from a Latin word called, it's envida, when the in means against, envida, what it is, is to look at, right? And so you put these together and it's looking at someone against, you're to look at them against them. Right? Or to look at them with ill will or to look at them with a hostile manner, to be against someone. And when, the, when you look at them, a better definition, even just from Webster, it says it's the feeling of displeasure that's produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage or prosperity of others. And it begins with comparison. It begins with comparison, and because our hearts are equipped with these highly sensitive radars to detect everything that we don't have, right, comparison really can range all the way across the spectrum. It can be, it, it can be from physical attributes to material possessions. It can be financial. It can be intellect, status, relationship, position. The list continues to go on and on. In comparison, it's comparing ourselves to others. And using the measuring stick that we have based on our own measuring sticks as we feel like when we measure against these individuals, when we compare ourselves to whoever it is that we're, we're looking at, we're comparing ourselves with this measuring stick and we don't measure up. And for whatever reason, we feel like we fall short of what others have physically, financially, materially, whatever it is. And because of it, these feelings of inferiority kind of rise up in us we be, and we become, we become self-loathing and we never measure up. It's we don't have and they have and we don't get, but they get, right? And comparison leads to this preoccupation where we become consumed. And over and over again, we measure ourselves with others and over and over again, we fall short. And that inward anguish and animosity that we have towards ourselves becomes anger and hatred and resentment towards those that we've measured ourselves against. And the reason why it's so terrifying is we said this a second ago, it's even closer than we think. And it's more dangerous than we imagine. And it rarely operates alone. It's closer than we think. It's more dangerous than we imagine, and it rarely operates alone. Listen to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4. It says this, anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming. We talked about anger last week and, and how, how damaging, how d destructive anger is. But listen to what the, proverb, what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, but who can stand before envy? As dangerous, as overwhelming as anger is and fury is, who can stand before envy. It's much more dangerous than we can ever imagine. And, it, and it's so close to us and it remains oftentimes undetected because envy is, is a chameleon. It masquerades itself sometimes with this smooth flattery in, in one minute and then it's righteous indignation in the next. 
From, from one minute, it moves from awe and, and, and fear and excitement over something that as you talk to this person, and then the next minutes, next minutes, it, it's malicious plotting or resentment and hatred towards the person that just a minute ago you were talking fondly of. It's smooth, it's a chameleon, and often is undetected, and like snakes and leaves, envy is never far away from us, and we may not even know that it's there. It happens in our homes between siblings, it happens in our homes between spouses, it happens in our neighborhood or on our street with neighbors, when somebody gets more toys than we have or their house is newer than ours. It happens between colleagues at work and classmates at school and, and, and there may outwardly be this, this friendship and camaraderie but inwardly there's comparison that's boiling over in to envy, and envy is even closer than we think, more dangerous than we imagine, and it rarely operates alone. This past week, I was talking to Pastor Jacob Scrimpture, who's our discipleship pastor, and he made this comment, which I thought was really was fitting for this for the sermon. He says, "Envy is a host, is the host of a party of all sorts of other shady characters." That envy is the host of a party of all sorts of other shady characters, meaning this, that when envy throws a party, he invites his buddies jealousy and covetousness, pride and resentment, greed, malice, hate, discord, selfish ambition, and dissension. When you think about that, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty rough group of characters. It's some folks that your, your mom would have obviously said, hey, don't hang out with these people because bad company corrupts good morals. And, and, when envy, and when envy comes in, it brings in these friends. It rarely operates alone. And so it leads us to that second question of what is envy doing to us? When it, when it shows up and it brings all of its friends, what is it doing to our hearts? What is it, how is it affecting us? And there's three ways I believe that we're gonna work through these. It says envy is killing our joy, eroding our faith, and robbing us of life. Let me start over again. <laughs> Does that mean I get another 30? Is that what I'm? <laughs> it's killing our joy, eroding our faith, and robbing us of life. You go back to the passage we read just a second ago, or Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. John Piper, pastor, our, our author, he says this, that envy is a universal threat to our joy and for the concern of others. If we give rein to envy, it could take over our life and cause us to make shipwreck of our faith. Envy kills joy because by nature it's demanding. It's a, it's a slave master that demands everything, heart, mind, body, soul, but it doesn't give us anything in return. It doesn't give us any joy in return. It consumes us and it makes everything about us. It gnaws at us with this poison. It gnaws at us and poisons us and how we see others, how we see others and their joy and how we see their success. And because of it, we're always comparing ourselves, asking us, asking ourselves these questions of why not me or, or, or what about me? And, it, and then because of it, the blessings that we have in our lives become shabby and seem like nothing and become in quite inadequate. It erodes our faith by causing us to question the sovereignty 
of a holy and a righteous God, questioning his plans and his choices and his goodness. And I think, think about the parable of the farmer Jesus tells that he sows the seed and he, he sows the seed and it falls on these different places. And he says that some of the seed falls among the thorns. And when the seed grows up, when it grows up into a plant, that the thorns choke out the seed or the plant and it becomes unfruitful. Later on, Jesus explains to the disciples what he means. And in Matthew chapter 13, he says this. He said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and make it unfruitful. I think about envy in this passage, looking at others and comparing ourselves to what they have or their position or the endless list of things that we compare and become envious of is literally choking out the life of Christ inside of us and making us unfruitful. It's making us unfruitful. One particular avenue that I believe that envy is robbing us of life and killing our joy is something that I haven't mentioned yet, but I believe to truly, it, it, it's causing envy at pandemic proportions, right? Like, and I know that that's a, that's a word that we don't like to hear right now, like we're out of it, right? So let's not go back to it. But I, I believe that truly there's one area or one avenue of our lives that, we, that all of us are so sensitive to and it's so close to us that we may not even see it that's causing envy at this great proportion. And truly it's the envy machine that we carry around in our pockets all the time. In 2018, there was an article written, written in, it was a, a magazine, I think, uh, in, I think the, the Guardian was the name of the magazine. And the, and the article's title is The Age of Envy, How to Be Happy When Everyone Else Looks Perfect. And the, the journalist says this, that we live in an age of envy. Career envy, kitchen envy, children envy, food envy, physique envy, holiday envy, you name it, there's an envy for it. And while the advent of social media, she quotes Ethan Cross, professor of psychology at University of Michigan, who studied the impact of Facebook on our well-being, he says this, that envy is being taken to an extreme that we are constantly bombarded with photographed or photoshopped lives. And he says, and, the ex and, and, the, and it's taking a toll on us, the likes of which we have never seen in the history of our species. And it is not particularly pleasant. She quotes another psychologist, Rachel Andrews, and says this, that she sees, Dr. Andrews sees more and more envy in her consulting room from people who can't achieve the lifestyle that they want but they see other people have through social media. She continues and says this, there's no age group that's immune from this envy. According to Dr. Andrews, again, in her consulting room, she sees young women with, with self-confidence, excuse me, young women self-conscious about how they look who begin to follow certain influencers and on Instagram to find hair and makeup technique inspiration and end up envying the women that they follow and feeling even worse about themselves. There's a snake in the grass and so close that we can't even see it. And the light just came on. <laughs> The 
This article wasn't written by a Christian. It wasn't from a Christian worldview, but it's cutting. It realizes just the, the reality, or at least it should be, because it, it should give us this wake-up call to this, the life-sapping, faith-eroding, joy-killing envy machine that we mindlessly and actively sacrifice ourselves to all day long. And I'm not telling you, listen, I'm not telling you to abandon social media. That's between you and the Lord. But I do, what I do want to say is there's a snake in the grass and it's eroding our faith. It's causing us, it's stirring in us this envy that we don't even know sometimes is there, but it's eroding our faith and destroying the joy that Christ has given us. Another article that I read as I was preparing this week, it was cutting, it was convicting enough that honestly in private, I couldn't bring it, I couldn't leave it there. I had to bring it and hopefully it was convicting to you as well because I don't want to be the only one who was cut by it. Thank you, that was funny. It says this, he asked, the author asked a couple questions that just kind of just to think about envy and how it's operating in our lives. Ask the question, teenagers and young adults, how do you respond when your friend or sibling is blessed by God? When they make the team and get the reward and have lots of friends, are you happy for them? Do you communicate how excited and proud you are of them that God has blessed them or do you have your eye on them with resentment and displeasure? Unmarried folks, when your friend gets a girlfriend or a boyfriend or gets engaged or married, are you genuinely happy for them? Are you filled with gratitude that God has brought them such a wonderful blessing? Or inwardly, are you complaining about the fact that you've been passed by? This one hurts. Moms and dads, what's your reaction when someone else's child succeeds? Are you thrilled when someone else's baby learns to walk before yours does or talk before yours? Are you excited when, when they make the honor roll and do well in athletics and get into college or get the job and your child doesn't? Are you constantly eyeing the other moms and dads like Saul eyed David, feeling anger and displeasure when God blesses their parenting? Do you murmur about their parenting, about other parents behind their back or under your breath? For all of us, says, how do you react when your neighbor, your friend, your sibling gets a house or a newer, nicer car or cooler toys than you have? How do you react when someone else gets recognized or gets the promotion at work? When, other, when the other person at work gets the leadership position that you wanted? Do you throw your weight behind them and support them? Or are you tempted to undermine their authority and their leadership? And I don't get out of this unscathed, right? Pastors. If another church in your town is more fruitful with the gospel, what will you do? Will you grumble about it? Will you, will you be filled with envy because so many people, perhaps even some people who used to attend your church, go to that church and listen to that pastor? It's painful, but it's the good kind of pain, hopefully. It's the good kind of pain that comes from a surgeon as we listen to these words and ask ourselves these questions that comes from a surgeon who, who, who skillfully begins to cut out the things inside of us that are sick 
We're reminded that as God exposes sin in our hearts, he doesn't do so because he wants to painfully cut, us, cut at us, but he does because he graciously and kindly wants to expose that sin and, and inflicting the pain, he's inflicting it to, to remove that sin, to refine us, to remove the sickness and the poison that's within us, to give us freedom and hope. Because sin in all of its forms, especially envy, as close as it is, Sometimes we don't even see it as destroying us. He wants to bring life back where, where joy is being robbed and life is being destroyed. So we ask the question, lastly, question three, what has Christ done for us or what does God's word tell us to do? And we've said this again every week that between the vice and the virtue, I don't know if I'm fall over here, between vice and the virtue, in this case, envy and contentment, Right? There's the, only, the road is blocked for us unless we go through the victory of Jesus Christ. That between vice of, of envy and the virtue of contentment, the road is blocked unless we go through the victory of Jesus Christ and the gospel that Jesus declared and the life that he has, what he's done for us. And so what has Christ done for us? If you have your, if you have your worship guides, this, it says, Christ has adopted us, lavished his love on us, and called us to rest in him. Let's turn to scripture for a second. Just listen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus saying, I have come, the Messiah, I have come, that you may have life and have it to the full. That while envy comes to erode and erode our faith and destroy life and steal our joy, Jesus has come on the, on the other side to give life. That whoever believes in him will have life. Not just, not just a little bit of life, but life to the full is what he says. Envy's robbing us of life, but Jesus has gone before us in the gospel to give us life that is abundant and full the life that our heart longs for. Let's continue John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Yet to all who have received him, to those who believe in him, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Later on in John, in 1 John, he says this. He says, See what great love the Father has lavished on you, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. The gospel says, as Jesus has gone before us to give life, that not only has he given us life, but he's lavished, he's extravagantly poured out his love on us. He's adopted us and brought us close and made us his children, that we are his, we belong to him. You think again about what Jesus says in Matthew as he's teaching. He says this, to which of you, if your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, and this is why I know Jesus doesn't like snakes either, will you give him a snake? Because that would be evil. If you then, though you're evil, though you're broken by sin, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts, give good gifts to those who will ask him? You belong to him, and he gives us good gifts. 
He's given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. He says that we will not want, that we want for nothing because he is our shepherd and he provides for us. We belong to him. And he's given us everything that we need. In Psalm chapter 16, it says that his, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. If we keep our eyes on him and we look and see our lives, he's given his, the, the boundary lines for us have fallen in pleasant places, which means he's given us all of the things that we need for the life that he's called us to. There's not one thing that somebody else had that he meant to give to you. He's given you everything that you need. There's no room for envy in our heart. There's no room for comparison or questioning God and what he's given to others because he's given us everything that we need. And the Bible tells us, the second part of that, what does the Bible tell us to do? And just to give us a little bit of something to kind of grasp onto this, this week and just to kind of think about it. The first, is it tells us to see clearly. On the one hand, what, 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 we're, what we're thinking about when we say see clearly is, is kind of pulling the curtain back on what envy really is. To see envy for what it is, a joy-killing, faith-eroding, life-destroying rebellion against a good, sovereign, faithful, holy God. Seeing clearly that contentment is a heart at peace, is, is that, that that heart at peace that we talk about in, in the passage that we just read is, is ours through the cross of Jesus Christ. That the rest that God, that we long for is ours through the cross of Christ. And to see clearly by looking not up, not out, but up. To see clearly first that, that this is the, what it is, pull back the curtain, to see clearly that God has given us contentment, has given us everything that we need. And to see clearly by looking not out, but up. Think, look at, think about this, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Colossians, Paul writes this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. Listen, what happens with contentment so often is we're looking at temporary things, earthly things that are here today and gone tomorrow. They're in a flash, they're gone. And we're envious that somebody else has them, but they're not going to have them forever either. Instead, we see clearly by putting our eyes on not what is, not what is temporary, but what is eternal. Not what is here on earth, but what is in heaven and above. We confess openly. Right? When, we, when that sin is exposed, we find ourselves with even the slightest bit of the enemy infiltrating with in, envy into our hearts, we, we, into our hearts and our minds with comparison and preoccupation of others and the success. And, and, and those things sneak in. We begin to ask those questions of why not me or, or what about me before that inward anguish and animosity turns to bitterness and anger towards others. We confess it. We bring it to the Lord. The first sign of it, God, I, I want to stop asking why you're doing that for them. And I want to celebrate what you're doing in my life and see the blessings that you have given me. We confess it. And then we pray continually. Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
First, when we pray, this helps us keep our eyes on the things that are, are eternal, not things that are earthly or, or things that are momentary, things that are above, not things that are here. But secondly, praying continually. When we find, when we find ourselves with envy beginning to sneak in, turns our, turns our eyes from, from what we don't have to what we do. Praying continually means that we pray not only for the things that we find ourselves envying, but also praying for the success of others that are experiencing what we think that we should have. Celebrating, it's what he says, rejoice always. Not only rejoicing in what you have, but rejoicing in what others are receiving from the God who maybe you've questioned in this process. Rejoicing and praying always and giving thanks in all circumstances, not just for the things that you have, but for the things that God is blessing others with. So what happens when we, when we rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, not only for the things that we have and the way that God's doing it, is it turns our eyes away from thinking I deserve, but celebrating what God's doing in others. Praying continually keeps us, helps us to see things from the perspective of God rather than seeing what we can't see in our momentary, momentary myopic kind of view of things. Remember we talked about this last week, Psalm chapter 73, the, the psalmist says this, but, but as for me, my feet almost slipped and I nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We talked about this, that he begins comparing his life to theirs and how they seem to have life that is easy and they have all that they want while his life is not as easy or he doesn't have all the things that he wants, but then he goes before the Lord. And God opens his eyes to the reality that their pleasure is only momentary and it all ends in destruction for them. That what he's envying in these moments will lead to destruction for them, that God has given them, him, everything that he needs. He's blessed them with more than what he could imagine. And we fight envy, lastly, by celebrating others. We settle into contentment and fight envy. That contentment that's brought by the gospel and we, by celebrating others, their success, celebrating their, win, their wins, celebrating them as individuals, thanking God for the success of the person that we envy. We said that just a second ago in the prayer, but there's just, an, and not only celebrating and praying for them, but celebrating them by letting them know that we're proud, we're excited for them asking God to further give them success, enjoying the gifts that he's given them. Because sometimes what happens is we sit with our friends who are maybe funnier than us and, and we begin to envy the fact that they have such a way of making people laugh. And rather than enjoying the gift that God's given them and laughing along with the others who are laughing, we begin to envy the fact that they can do something that we can do. This is a personal experience for me, maybe. We begin to envy somebody's ability to do things that we can't do, maybe athletically or, 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 or just with, with their, their ability to, to comprehend things that we can't comprehend. And rather than enjoying the gift that God has given them, alongside them, we begin to hate them for it. But we settle into contentment by celebrating the gift that God has given them and enjoying that thing that maybe God chose not to give us for some reason gave them. 
and in the process, celebrate God's goodness in their lives and recognize his goodness in ours. The question for us again is, can you spot the envy? In the landscape of our lives, can you spot the envy? Can you spot the enemy? Just like the snake in the grass camouflaged and sneaking up on us more dangerous than we realize because it's closer than we can imagine. Do you spot the envy? Do you sense in your own hearts places where, where envy is sneaking in, the enemy, is, is the, the poison that is coming from that envy, causing us to question the goodness of our holy and righteous God who loves us and has given us everything that we need? Remember it said in Psalm 14, the beginning passage that we read, that a heart at peace gives life to the body. The life that we all long for comes when we find contentment in Christ. When we abandon envy in all of its forms and rest in him, the life that we long for is found in the peace that comes in a relationship with Jesus. And band's going to come back up and we're going to sing just one song and close as we um, celebrate the, our, our, our day today and celebrate our time together. And I just want to be, I want us to be reminded of, of all that Christ has done for us. And one of the ways that we do that is in, sorry, is in giving. The way that we give is celebrating God's goodness celebrating the fact that he has given us everything that we need and we can give back, not because, not to earn salvation, not to earn his pleasure, not to earn his smile, but because he has smiled on us in salvation and given us everything that we need. And so we want to celebrate that. And I want to invite the um, ushers to come up and I'm going to pray for the, our closing, but also for the, the offering this morning. And then we're just going to sing one song and then be dismissed here in just a moment. As we gather again, what we talk about every week is we don't just gather to sing songs and then this is a moment at the end that we just kind of tack on. We believe that we worship through giving. We celebrate God's goodness through giving gifts and, and giving back as he's called us to do that. He tells us to do that with hearts that rejoice. And so I wanna thank you for doing that. The fact that there's over a hundred people on mission this week is, is a part of the fact that you give faithfully and sacrificially and proportionally and regularly. And so we thank you for that. And we wanna celebrate that gift and, and thank God for what he's doing here. Uh, and then we'll sing together uh, and, and then close in just a minute. So pray with me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first and you love us best and you love us always. And we thank you that our hearts can be at peace because of the gospel of Jesus, because of what you did on the cross. That contentment is found through the cross of Christ. That victory over sin, victory over the enemy of envy comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Where everything that we need was provided for us. So Father, we pray that you would pull the curtain back on places in our hearts and do what surgeons do and, and, and graciously and in kindness removing places of sickness in our hearts so that we can worship you with gratitude and find the peace that comes in contentment 
Lord, we love you. And again, we thank you that you loved us first, best and always. We pray that you would take these offerings, these offerings this morning, and that you would use them for your glory to, ter- to carry your gospel from our neighborhood to the ends of the earth. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you liked this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcasts, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.